Do you or someone you love have ADHD? Well, today, me and Jackie are just having a fun conversation about some of the nuances with ADHD and a little bit about the struggles we have gone through. All the nutrition information out there today, everything's conflicting, completely confusing. How are we supposed to be healthy if even the experts can't agree? This is Outspoken Nutrition. I'm your host, Laura Timbrook, and we're going to break it all down. Well, thanks for joining us on the Outspoken Nutrition Podcast. I'm Laura Timbrook, and today we have Jackie Stevens with us. She is an amazing sports nutritionist. She is a nutritionist over at the Lynn Janae Plan, which I know we have talked immensely about and had Lynn Janae Versitas on the podcast several times. And one of the things we ended up bonding over was our experiences with ADHD. As a lot of you have recently learned, and as I have recently learned, I have a child with ADHD and it is going through this whole different spin of life and trying to learn how to manage and, you know, identify superpowers, because that's one of the things that we don't realize when it comes to ADHD is that you do have these superpowers. You just have to learn to harness them and recognize them. And um, I want you all to welcome Jackie Stevens to the podcast. Jackie, welcome and feel free to give a brief introduction about yourself. So I have been uh, working with Lynn Janae for almost five years now as a nutritionist. Before that, I was a client. But one of the cool things about ADHD that I found, actually, I social media diagnosed me, essentially, or turned me on to uh, turn me on to the diagnosis. Um, I was scrolling through TikTok as you do. And all these, all these ADHD videos start coming up. And I'm like, what is going on? And I mention it. And somebody tells me more about their algorithm. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I should look into it. <laughs> and it turns out all uh, so much of it resonated. So Fast forward, I mention it in passing to my mom, who has ADD, and so does my brother. And and I knew this. There was this whole fiasco when I was in elementary school of him going on medication and it being terrible and this just poor experience. And um, she goes, yeah, when you were in elementary school, all of your teachers and several doctors wanted you clinically diagnosed and on medication. I said, what? What do you mean? <laughs> And she goes, yeah, you were so hyperactive and you were disruptive and talkative and um, such like every report card I had in elementary school would say excellent student, excessively chatty and disruptive. (laughs) I, I mean, I even ran into one of my high school teachers and you know, we were getting coffee and I just started laughing and tell her, told her about that. And she goes, oh, you didn't know you have it. I said, no. She goes, I knew from the moment you stepped in my classroom. No one told me. Okay. No one. Here I am. I'm 33 thinking like, oh, I'm just broken. Certain things don't make sense to me. No, no, it's ADHD. That story cracks me up. And it's funny because since everything I have kind of dove into this whole moms group of other teens with ADHD. And it's funny because a lot of moms that have never been diagnosed ADHD, they're realizing as they're going through their diagnosis with their children that 
they clearly have ADHD because ADHD is very much runs on genetics. Right. And it's funny because there'll be certain things and my daughter's like, mom, are you sure? And I'm like, no, no, I'm not. It's hilarious. Um, and what's so interesting it, that you bring up moms and, and really parents overall being diagnosed when their children are because there's, there was so much, there is so much misdiagnosis because men and women or boys and girls, because it's more commonly diagnosed, it's supposed to be diagnosed at least when your children present differently, they, they have symptoms. And of course the spectrum between ADD and ADHD. And I want to say they even put autism on that same spectrum, like neurodiversity and, you know, the symptoms and how it presents are totally different (laughs) in males versus females. The interesting thing with ADHD with boys is we think of hyperactive. You think of the kid that doesn't sit still, the one that you are going to look at them and be like, oh yeah, you're going to be ADHD. (laughs) You're disruptive. But a lot of girls will internalize it. So that hyperactivity that comes across from a boy that's externalized, girls will internalize it. So a lot of times ADHD and girls will present themselves as being withdrawn, low self-esteem, anxiety, difficulty with school, inattentiveness, daydreamers, you know, trouble focusing, appearing not to listen, or even verbal aggression. So these are things that you know, when you're looking at the list for boys, which is that typical impulsivity of acting out and hyperactive, you know, the inability to focus or the inability to focus or not sitting still, it's different. So where all these years I was like, well, my daughter's not the one that's leaping off the chair, but she was the one that suffered from the anxiety and suffered from the low self-esteem and, you know, just the experience of going on medication. And, you know, there was we went through this experience and I know you said, you said had something about your brother with medication. That was man. When you found a medication that didn't work, it was bad. Right. When that medication worked, my daughter at one point said to me, she goes, is this what normal people feel like? And it was just like, she could sit down and relax and didn't hear all like just that chatter in her brain. Literally, I cannot tell you how many conflicts I have had my entire life, arguments, problems, you know, getting into trouble as a kid. But even like with my husband, he'll, he's very much not ADHD. Okay. Um, he'll be like, why do you, why do you, talk this way? Why do you go down all these rabbit holes? You know, like, how do you, how do you go back to the same thing? I don't, you know, I feel like we're getting nowhere. And I'm like, uh, that's how my brain works. I I don't know what to tell you. Um, like I remember specifically one time I would, we got in a fight because he was like, this was really early on in our marriage. He was like, I was like, what are you thinking about? You look like you're lost in thought. And he's like, nothing like that is a lie. People can't think about nothing. I have at least seven different trains of thoughts going on at all times, all times from even when I'm sleeping, like, like I can probably count on, on my hand, the amount of times that I don't remember thinking, like having vivid, vivid dreams that are just super weird, super, super weird (laughs) because, because that's how my brain works. Like it's nonstop. There's never a point that I'm, I'm resting in the sense of not thinking about several different things at one time. And Um, yeah, yeah, that was pre ADHD (laughs) diagnosis. And now I know I'm not, um, crazy for that reason, at least. So 
Well, and that's funny because th- these are some of the different things. So I've been following a couple people on Instagram on ADHD. And it was funny. One of the biggest ones is, you know, I remember always having this conversation with um, my child about, you know, you just need to focus. You need to focus. Like, why can't you focus? <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny because going through this, the room being clean has always been an issue. And I ended up finding that that is an ADHD thing. And it's because when things go in drawers, like the way neurotypical people like it, nice and clean and neat and in drawers in a way. Oh, yeah. That does not work for you. You need stuff out in the open. It's gone. I don't know. So we have fully embraced open shelving. <laughs> And wait till you find out about, uh, I think they call them like chaos piles. Uh, I think that's what it is. I might be wrong, but it's like, it's like where we have gone to, to put something away and we've literally packed like a bag or piled something and hit it. And then it's once it's hidden, of course it's gone. So you could find like a backpack from seven years ago, you know, and you're like, I don't know what's in there. (laughs) Could be anything. It's a treasure. It's like a time capsule. We, we time capsule our entire lives. That is hysterical. The one thing that we were talking about the other day, and it it was funny because um, my daughter does it all the time is talking in circles Yes, that you have these conversations and you keep changing conversations, but no one else around you knows that you've gone to the next subject. And eventually it works itself back into a circle and you're back to where you started. Well, right. Because in, in our tra- train of thought, like you go from point, point A to B to C to D to D, like all the way through the alphabet until you come back to A and each thing is linked. So in our brain, we're going, well, you know, Laura has this color hair and you know what? I really liked it when I had that color hair. And I wonder if my hairdresser could do that. Well, actually, I think it would be really cool if I looked like this. Ooh, I wonder if Laura looked like this. And then you would go, you know, you would, you could talk, it it could go even further depending on how much you know about whatever that subject is. God forbid anybody bring up anything else while you're having these thoughts, because then those subjects are mixed in. all the way to come back to, Hey, I really like your hair today, Laura. (laughs) And, um, it's not always an internal conversation for us. Sometimes that's, that's how it plays out externally. Um, and it's, it's hilarious. I feel so much better about myself knowing that other people do this and it's not just me. You know, and the interesting thing is when we were talking about superpowers, I know we had this other conversation about, you know, being hyper-focused. Yeah. And this is something that when you are in that area of that hyper-focus, I know watching my daughter, when she is hyper-focused on something, she is amazing at getting something done. ADHD, a lot of times project management is an issue because it's either now or not now. There is no like later. Right. And um, so a lot of times she'll get hyper-focused when it comes to a project because she realizes I can't, like it has to be now, like now or nothing. And she'll take a week project and she'll have it done in one night. But if she doesn't do it in that one night, then it's an issue. Well, and there's some really interesting uh, um, studies I've been reading on the psychology of the mind behind that. Cause we, you know, one of the issues with neurodiverse people is our receptors for serotonin and dopamine. And, um, oh gosh, and now I'm not going to remember what it's called and not just the receptors for them, but the, um, garbage disposal team, the other part of the body that kicks out the, the creation of the serotonin. And so sometimes 
um, our garbage is our garbage disposal team is more efficient than our actual production of serotonin and dopamine, which gives that, you know, that's why we're always looking for things to stimulate or we're feeling overstimulated. That's why ADHDers are known for procrastination. Because not only do we have no concept of time whatsoever, so time management is not a thing, at least not naturally, every every person with ADHD or anywhere on that spectrum, all their time management skills are skills they have, they have worked very hard for <laughs> um, and have to continuously work really hard for because it's not, you could... Like you could tell me we've been on the phone for five minutes and I'd be like, okay, as long as the clock also reflects that, I'll believe you. Um, You could say the same thing and say, we've been on the phone for an hour. And if the clock reflects that, I'll also believe you. I have no idea how it feels. (laughs) Five minutes or an hour, no idea. That's funny because one of the things that we've learned to live with are post-it notes and alarms. Yeah. Like it's just, and you know, it's funny because I can tell my other kids to, Hey, you got five minutes and then we have to clean our room. And they, for the most part, pretty much gets done. Yeah. Yeah. Can judge five minutes. No yeah. idea. And you know, it's, it's funny because as a parent, you look back and you're like, you feel bad for all those times you yelled at her because I mean, there was a lot of times. Right. It's sad that, you know, it was literally because she couldn't understand and it's difficult. And I think this is why sometimes, you know, parents, especially in the groups that I'm kind of in with ADHD. Yeah. It's difficult because you're trying to understand something that you yourself have zero concept of. Like for me, for someone to tell me, I don't know what five minutes is. What do you mean? You don't know what five minutes, like you have a concept, but no, you don't have the concept. Yeah. I, I intellectually understand. I intellectually understand. We can talk about clocks and, and the measurement of time, which is, you know, kind of garbage anyways, but, um, (laughs) but like how it, how I, it would physically feel to me for that time to, it feels no different than any other frame of time other than say like a year, you know, like massive amounts of time obviously feel different. Um, you know, a month would feel different than a day. But you also have a circadian rhythm that helps you understand that. Okay. So that's not really fair to say, you know, five minutes, 20 minutes, one hour. There's, I don't have any other frame of reference. Like there's a to, to note, you know, um, unless the sun's going down <laughs> or coming up, you know, I have no other physical cue. Well, this is true because I used to, like, I used to tell them be home when the sun goes down. And she was always here for that. Like if you gave her something like that, she'd be there. But if you tell her to come home in 15 minutes, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> no, that doesn't make sense to me. No, sorry, mom. Yeah. Unless I do a timer, I will never be on time for things like that. What's one of the things that you have learned through your, you know, teen and adult life that has really helped you do what you need to do that now you've realized it's because it was a technique that you learned to manage with your ADHD. Okay. So here's some really, so the funniest one, um, has to be from, (laughs) from, from working at home. So, you know, uh, some very commonly, uh, ADHDers do their best work when other people are present, not necessarily interacting with them, not necessarily group project. Okay. Just working in the same room. It's called body doubling. It's basically like we're accountable to another person, essentially, <laughs> um, um, for however long that they're there. Okay. So I have, I've always worked to, you know, prior to doing um, nutrition work, I've always worked in uh, people spaces, you know, in hotels and hospitality. And I mean, that's where 
my degree prior to nutrition is in. I was always a hard worker. I understood. And part of that is because there's other people around me the whole time. So working from home as a nutritionist, you know, coaching clients remotely, um, <laughs> it's a totally different ball game. And I had to learn how to manage myself. And so like really silly and like, let's not even bring to when my kids came around and <laughs> now having to manage, manage myself in the office and client work with two small children who require you to start and stop your day all day long anyways. So as an ADHD, person, that's like hell. (laughs) It's a terrible idea. (laughs) Disastrous recipe. Um, I found that if I put shoes on, don't ask me why, if I put shoes on, um, I can, I am more focused on the business at hand. I have no, it's the weird, it's the strangest thing. It's the strangest thing. If there's a to-do list I have one day, I will literally put shoes on and walk around in the house (laughs) in shoes and get stuff done. It's like, as soon as I, I, don't have shoes on my body is my brain's like, Oh, we're not working today. We're on beach bum time. Now (laughs) we're sleeping. Doesn't matter if I have full makeup or anything, you know, doesn't matter. Shoes are what, what makes the difference. And there's, you know, bound to be like little oddities that like that are different for each person. But like, I also found that organized chaos that happens with an ADHD person of, of like, um, once you put it in a drawer, you don't remember where it is, but then the piles can become overwhelming too, you know? So it's, it's like a weird balance. I actually would find that I would catalog, visually catalog a room when I would enter it and leave it. So, you know, where this comes really helpful is when my kids or my husband or somebody goes, Hey, I don't, have you seen this? I'm like, mm, I la- I bet it's right here because that's the last place I saw it. <laughs> and I'm almost, almost always right. <laughs> I'm starting to think Sheldon Cooper has ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> Because you ever see that episode with him where he like decides to go all like beach bum and he's like, I'm wearing open toed shoes and then like nothing else matters because he has open toed shoes. It's funny what we fixate on. And that's I mean, that's the thing with the shoes. We're fixated on something and it triggers Mm -hmm. a response in our brain. So for me, it makes the most sense to to do work shoes to me, tell me that I'm, I have to do something and it has to be a closed toed shoe. Okay. It can't be a a flip flop. Can't be slippers. Those are vacation shoes. People. I don't know what to tell you. They are not work shoes. They are not shoes that you get things done in. I feel like that needs to be on like an ADHD (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt. Flip flops, not shoes you get work done in. I wonder, I wonder if that, if anybody else has the shoe thing actually. Uh, You know, it's funny because I'm actually going to talk to my daughter about this because shoes were such a big issue for her when she was little. I mean, if I really look back at it, I mean, probably she showed symptoms as early as probably kindergarten and first grade because she would be so fixated on shoes. I mean, there was full on breakdowns because she couldn't (laughs) wear mom's three inch heels to the bus stop in a kindergartner because she cannot wear sneakers because sneakers are not nice shoes. They do not go with (laughs) this outfit and it cannot happen. Um, (laughs) I love that. That's awesome. Um, I mean, it's just really, it's really, uh, the, the wiring and like the narratives that we give ourselves, 
Um, and then, you know, you want to like, you stick so closely to that because that's, you know, your brain is built to keep your body alive. So it writes these narratives, these narratives feel safe. And that's where we get all these weird tendencies, um, and behaviors, right? So, oh, some of the, some of the other cool things is, uh, like fidgeting, you know, a lot of people do fidget, they have some really cool, different fidgeting options that are, you know, some of them are really blatant. Some of them are less obvious. They can go on your phone. They've got rings, all kinds of things, because so many people, you know, when you have ADHD and your brain is going a thousand times a minute, you just need one thing to be standard and focused. And even back to what you were saying about uh, how girls show it, like oftentimes, instead of being actually hyperactive, where they're standing on the chair and then they're running over there and then they're doing ninja kicks, you know, or whatever, like, Mm -hmm. like, like boys would, they would be flipping their hair or touching their face or pulling on their ears or shaking their leg, you know, um, when they're daydreaming, they're doodling or they're clicking a pen, you know? Um, and all of those are manifestations of maybe anxiety, but also maybe ADHD, you know? Yeah. And you bring up actually a really good point because this was one of the things that we were going through her diagnosis is because she has anxiety. And it was like, okay, well, is the anxiety because of the ADHD or is the ADHD because of the anxiety? And that's when working with the doctor, we were, you know, we kind of looked back at our history and I said, no, anxiety is probably a pretty newer symptom. But when we went back to the shoes, when she was in, you know, fourth grade running down the cold pavement, it was like, no, that's the original the original issue. And I think the anxiety just became as she got older, especially when, you know, um, hormones started kicking in, it went from manageable to unmanageable in like half a second. Right. Right. And that was pretty amazing. And then I know when the whole conversation, and I actually went to the doctor and I asked them, I said, you know, can we start with the supplement? Is there a supplement that might be able to help her? And the doctor that we see is actually, she's pretty holistic in nature. Okay, cool. And I was shocked when she looked at me, she goes 25 years of doing this. A true ADHD kid does not respond to supplements. She goes, we can go down that path. And she goes, you're going to waste time. And she's going to keep failing math class. Yeah. Yeah. That was the, I think that was another big thing of realizing that a lot of her grades that she struggled with were because of just that, that constant going in her head, because once the medication got set, like I said before, she was just like, this is what normal people are like. <laughs> and she can now feel herself when she comes down from the medication, because like it starts gearing up. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, I've been uh, doing some, some research, looking into some different medical articles and studies um, on you know, alternative treatments. Um, cause there are people that don't respond to the medications on the markets <laughs> and, and some of them are really dietary supplements like vitamin B and vitamin D. And, um, and I kind of have this interesting theory that I really don't know how to test because, you know, I, you know, I'm a practitioner, but I'm not a clinician. So I, I'm, I'm not going to have a group of ADHDers that I can test my theory out on. Right. But maybe somebody, you know, but I have this theory. So a lot of people with ADHD, we get hyper-focused and then we get, um, we end up kind of lost as well. So depending on the, 
um, the moment of the day, where our brain takes us, our mood, all the, all these different things. Right. So, you know, we end up skipping meals or binging on meals. There's a ton of eating disorders that, that are correlated to ADHD and ADD and really anywhere on the spectrum. And, um, it's part of it is because, you know, we get hyper-focused and we forget to eat. You know, we, we don't pick up on our hunger cues because we're so lost in completing a 10 day a 10 page paper, you know, that's never going to get done unless I get it done now. <laughs> or whatever it is, um, you know, some of those dietary supplements are really because they're missing nutrition. Then there's also to consider a lot of us on this spectrum, you know, the neurodiverse diverse spectrum would also have sensory issues. So there's textures, um, there's, you know, flavor palettes here that, that don't compute for us. Um, and we might be picky eaters, Uh, or we might not, it kind of depends. So, you know, like when we're talking about vitamin D, which everybody will have a a fluctuation really in vitamin D, especially summer or winter, but, uh, but even the vitamin B, you know, that's really interesting. Um, And those are like the two of the biggest that magnesium is another one, zinc is another one. um, And all of those being deficient are not necessarily from the disorder itself. You know, it's a correlated response, just like the anxiety is a correlated response. So it's kind of like that, uh, you know, the fun question, what came first, the chicken or the egg, you know, because you could actually go either way, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, when it comes to when we're talking about supplements and stuff like that, you know, we really have to look at how's the overall diet. Yeah. Because you know, when I was saying, you know, supplements really don't work, it wasn't that they don't work. It's more that it needs to be supplemental to a wholesome diet. Yeah. You know, something that supports your body's systems and things like that. And I think that's, that's important because yeah, going from a bad diet and missing everything you want, everything to work together. Because if you're not miss, if you're not getting supplements and you're not eating healthy and you're just taking the medication, that's not going to work well either. They kind of, they really support each other. And, you know, you made an interesting conversation about the overeating and it's interesting because there is actually a new ADHD drug that is for binge eating in ADHD. Very interesting. It is. And, you know, it was interesting back when I was doing, I did a lot of stress research earlier on in my career. And, you know, it was funny when I, I got this, I adopted this mess of a stressed out dog (laughs) and I was going to the trainer trying to work on his behavioral issues and stuff like that. And the trainer was like, Oh, it's because his, his brain is over on the sympathetic side and we need to get him over on the parasympathetic side. I was like, Oh, I know all about this. Like we, we have really studied this. And she said the easiest way to do it within dogs is through their jaw. It's chewing. The act of chewing will move you from sympathetic to parasympathetic. And I'm literally in the dog training class and I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, people do the same thing. Yeah. And how many people on the ADHD or the neurotypical spectrum are constantly chewing, whether it's pen caps, food, gum, gum the inside mint, of their cheeks, lollipops. lollipops. How many of them become smokers? Mm-hmm. You know, it's an oral fixation. Yes. And it's because yeah. of that need to go over to the relaxation side of the brain because you're stuck on that stress side of the brain. So it's right. so interesting when you start looking at all of this from a different perspective 
and you take that step back and seeing the connection with the ADHD and the binge eating. Yeah. Because there has to be a connection why ADHD is binge eating. Oh, sure. For sure. And the fact that there had to be a drug created for it. What's it's, um, I mean, on the same, same train of thought, I would think, and, and personally what I found much more effective in terms of supplements is managing my stress. Mm -hmm. So the more stressed I am, the faster my brain's going to go, the faster that, that I'm going to talk and, you know, the more heightened my anxiety is going to be. So I'm going to be more likely to spiral. So I got to calm myself down, (laughs) you know? Um, and and I, fortunately, just so fortunately, um, have uh, <laughs> um, anxiety, PTSD, and panic disorder. So, you know, I have done years of therapy <laughs> continuously because that's nev- a never-ending process, my friend. Um, and so I have a lot of really great tools, really different, mod- great, fantastic modalities um, that I find beneficial. Um, and I thousand percent, anyone listening to this, dealing with anxiety, depression, they think they're on the spectrum, please, please, please reach out to a clinician, um, get diagnosed, get help, start therapy. Uh, you're not broken. You just see things differently and you need a little help, (laughs) um, and some tools, but anyways, uh, you know, the supplements that I find more effective are actually supplements that manage my stress. So, you know, like that's lemon balm, which is an herb in the mint family that has a natural calming effect, um, or ginseng. Um, those are probably my two favorite that work for the bulk of people, but there's a lot of different things that we can do, you know, or a lot of different, you know, supplements that you could look at there, like, depending on how someone feels their stress, you know, if it's more in sleep or, or something, um, you know, ashwagandha, rhodiola, uh, hops, uh, valerian roots. I mean, there's a whole list of adaptogens that you could really work with, but the ones that I think find, I find work best for my clients, nutritionally speaking, um, not just really ADHD, but managing stress and anxiety is probably lemon balm and ginseng. And then something called Sammy. <laughs> those are the three that I find work the most for the bulk of people. Those were the, would be the first things that I would suggest trying, you know, discussing with your practitioner uh, and then also trying like different, uh, different practices, you know, uh, box breathing, stimulating your vagus nerve yoga. Yoga is fantastic. Now I will admit when I first tried yoga, I thought it was stupid. <laughs> Okay. I did. I did. I totally did. But when you actually do the things that they're, you're asking, they're asking you to do, and you focus on the different muscle groups, especially if you find a really good practitioner, the other ones that you might, that might be interesting are the ones that affect our neural pathways, you know? So that's like uh, Kinko Biloba or CoQ10 or GABA. Um, even, even like the amino acid, the L-theninine, can't get that out of my mouth today. You know, those would be interesting, um, to see if they had any effect on you. They're never going to be like the magic. They're going to be like acute care. You know, you're, you're never going to not see the world the way you see the world. Yeah. Um, I'm never going to feel five minutes. And I think, you know, and I think that's something to really understand is, you know, when you talk about the ADHD superpowers and things like that, sometimes not having that concept of time, 
allows you to lean back on more other ways of managing your time, which can actually make you a lot more effective because someone neurotypical that says, okay, I'll get to you in five minutes. My five minutes might be 10 minutes and I'm pushing it around here. I might not be as effective as someone that's got the alarm set for five minutes and can, you know, um, I forget uh, the Pomodoro clock or something. I forget what the hell it's called, but it's a clock that a lot of highly productive people use. And I never use it, but people that do use it are much more effective because they have that time. So, you know, it's interesting when you're doing something like that, it might be easier to do it a different way than someone that's neurotypical because you have more of an outside control over it. I mean, they say, um, they say like standing desks are actually much more beneficial for somebody that's, you know, neurodiverse. Um, they say even the desks that are like treadmill desks. <laughs> um, and, um, there's a lot of, uh, some, some pretty interesting studies that, that are coming out now about, well, actually I don't know how recent they are as far as this year versus maybe 2019, but still, um, about, you know, walking, if you are walking while you're reading, or if you're walking while you're listening to an audiobook, like your brain processes it, um, it's much more likely to keep the content of what you're, what you're reading. So you actually, if you're studying, you're studying more effectively. And, and that's really interesting because I've always needed to move my body, <laughs> um, in some manner. So like if I'm in a classroom and I'm sitting at a desk, I am doodling while notes are happening because I've, you know, that's how I'm retaining the content. So if you were to look at my notebook and you just see words, I don't remember a single thing, <laughs> but if I'm, you know, uh, doodling and, and it's kind of looks like a disaster area on my page, then I totally remember all of it. <laughs> that's awesome. And, you know, I love the fact that you brought up, you know, talking to your doctors, talking to your therapist, therapists, therapists, <laughs> Um, because I think that's really important for just understanding and learning those tools and how they can be utilized instead of just having that spiraling moments. And, you know, so I want to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and all the information and <laughs> the fun laughter and just realizing that we're all in this together. <laughs> no, it was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. A big thank you for Jackie for us joining us on the show. I had so much fun with this conversation. As always, don't forget to eat your effing veggie and I'll talk to you next week.